whether by luck, whether by random chance, whether on purpose, you're now listening to the What The Falk Show with Connor Falk. This is a podcast about everything you like to think about. Maybe you're bored at work, maybe you're in rainy traffic here in Los Angeles like it's been this week, maybe you're at school, maybe you're with your significant other, maybe you're playing a video game, you think, I want to zone out, I want to listen to something fun, something entertaining, something informational, something with some wit and charisma involved. I want to thank mom and dad for that talent. Now this is the What The Falk Show, it's available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Twitter, any kind of social media platform you could think of, Pod Directory, Stitcher, we're there, we're available. As I said, I'm here to provide some fun, some entertaining time for your day in those times it's really not fun or entertaining in any way. I started this show for many reasons. I started because I love to talk about things I love and I love to talk with people who love to talk about things that they love. It makes for a very interesting conversation. It makes for a dialogue and maybe you're going to learn some things along the way. And I want to say happy 2016. This is my first show of the 2016 season. It's been a great year. I have a lot of people to thank. We've had so many people on this show from entertainment to music to film to television to the culinary arts to playing in video games. So many different arenas, so many different places of people who are being on the What the Folk Show. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to have them on. This week, we have David Frigerio. The 2014 film, Lawrence Fishburne's in it. Britton Thwaites, Olivia Cook. Now, you know Lawrence Fishburne from many different movies, from The Matrix, most likely. Britton Thwaites is in the upcoming Gods of Egypt. He's an up-and-coming Australian actor. Also was in Son of a Gun with Ewan McGregor. Olivia Cook, you might know from the the, the Psycho-based show on AMC, or on A&E, sorry. You might also know her from Me, Earl, and Dying Girl. In a lot of different movies, also in Ouija. Another up-and-coming actress, some talent that David has worked with a lot. He wrote on that film, The Signal. Check that out if you haven't. He also wrote the film, 2010 film, Wreckage, which is a fun horror film with Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. It's also got Scoot McNary from AMC's Halt and Catch Fire. It was also in Marvel's Hail, One Shot the King. The guy's the guy's worked with a lot of people. He knows what he's doing. He started very early in New York, many different things from acting to producing to writing. He's got also an upcoming film, Tautuna, coming out in 2016, 17. We're going to talk about. David's going to make for a great guest and a great conversation. So go ahead and listen in. Hello. Hey there, David. This is Connor Falk from the What the Falk Show. How you doing today, sir? I'm pretty good. I want to say happy 2016. This is my first show of the 2016 season. I'm happy to start it off with someone like you. Yeah, I've done a few after the, uh, when the signal came out. I did a few of them. Uh, I think two or three. Okay, They're awesome. Fun, well, that feels pretty cool. You, cause get I- your, you get to sit in your house on your couch in your underwear and talk movie stuff. It's fun. Yeah, exactly, right? It's just something I love to do, and the point of the show is me talking about things I love and talking with people like yourself who love to talk about things that they do. So it makes for a nice, interesting conversation. I think the guests are going to enjoy our dialogue. I'm going to ask you some questions about what you do. You talked about 2014's The Signal. I, I kind of intro with that because that's how we connected. I love that film. It was so refreshing. It was one of those days you're looking for something to watch, and you just get refreshed and surprised by a great storytelling thing. So I'm really excited to have someone on the show that I've, I've got to experience their work, and it was just a great positive oh, cool, point. Man. Awesome. You clearly don't have kids, I take it. I, I don't have any kids at the moment, sir. I don't. But yeah, you have uh, a lot of energy for seven thirty. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of energy for seven thirty. I do absolutely. As you said, you do have yeah, a. That's awesome. Yeah, you do have a, a nice little, a nice toddler there. So congratulations on that with the new year. I appreciate you taking the time to go ahead and, and go ahead and talk about what you do. So David, first question I want to talk about. You started, you're actually from the New York area, from the East Coast. And I also read that you went ahead and starred, wrote, and directed in your first play when you were 21 years old. How did you get started in the entertainment world? Uh, I started out as an actor. Okay. Um, studied at Lee Strasberg in New York. I'm originally from New York, Long Island, and then uh, moved back to the city when I was 17 and studied at Lee Strasberg. And how was that experience? For about a year, for about a year and a half. It was great. You know, I did living in the city, living at the YMCA, and uh, yeah. it was pretty surreal. Okay. Um, nice. But I love New York City, so I, I stayed there until I was 27. But, you know, writing started for me when, uh, well, playwriting, when I get out on auditions and couldn't get, you know, uh, you know, you get in a creative sort of, uh, actors find themselves a lot of time in a creative sort of uh, void. Mm-hmm. And so for me, writing came that sort of void to, uh, you know, express an outlet. And also, you know, I, to sort of capitalize on finding 
creating your own work. That's half this town is, is about people that are motivated to go out and create and make something. Yeah. You know, the only way you get stuff done. I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up, David, because the difference between a lot of people is when you have, like you said, you become in a creative void and you have to wait for someone to give you the opportunity to kind of show what you can do. But if you go ahead and take them out of the take them out of the picture and make your own things, be it from, you know, voiceover podcast to a film to writing, I think, it, you know, you gain experience in the meantime and you also just get better at your craft. So, but a lot of different... Absolutely, yeah. You get comfortable with who you are and what you do and naturally just progresses into, if you stick with it, I mean, that's the... Uh, you know, half the battle, especially in L.A., is like you see actors and writers in all walks of life come here. Yeah. But 90% of those people are not going to stay. Mm-hmm. And the same is true for New York as well. Everybody has dreams and goals. Or, you know, a long time ago, I, I, there's a great quote that Napoleon used to tell his generals when they would get to a foreign land to burn the ships so that the soldiers had no choice but to either, so they couldn't leave, you know, yeah win or die because <laughs> so, they can't leave so I sort of I sort of put that mantra into my uh, into my personality when I first started this business and I would probably say I was crazy to do that um, but you know it's, it's thankfully paying off to some degree uh, yeah. as the, the years progress. Now, would you say, did you have anybody in your family that kind of pushed you to that way? Like for myself, I don't have anyone in my family working in the entertainment business. It was something no, that... I knew nobody. I okay. actually, my mom was working for American Airlines and she used to get people upgrades at the Admirals Club. So like a mm. lot of like Los Angeles agents and people would always want to sort of use her for upgrades. And there was an agent at ICM that she would always get upgrades for. And he's like, you know... She's like, my son is getting into acting where you meet with him. And I sat down with him, you know, when I was 17. It was a ridiculous meeting because I was so green. Yeah. And uh, and so that's where I was like, oh, I go to New York. I'm going to go back to New York and I'm going to get an agent right away. Of course, it never happened. But, <laughs> you know, I didn't know anybody. I just sort of, honestly, like the first experience I had was doing a, a home video in front of my parents and their friends. And like everybody laughed really, really hard when I played it for them. So I kind of got the bug then. Yeah, and then uh, you know, just always gravitated towards it. Just finally saying, I'm gonna go do it now. Once high school ended. Well, I love that you say that because of having the bug and actually loving it. As opposed to a lot of people that I meet, I feel like in the you know, be it when I'm working behind the camera, in front of the camera, there's that idea of they want to be famous, like they want to, they want all the perks with comes with being like successful in that business. And I think those are the people that I worry the most about. Don't come out here, don't go to New York, Los Angeles, unless you actually love it. The hours are long, uh, as you said, the creative voids that you have, finding jobs in many different ways, and people don't stay because of that. So I think grind, man. You yeah. Know, look, everything in life is a grind. I sort of, and I don't, I, you know, there's got to be a part. Especially in the acting world, like, and in directors, and, you know, there's a lot of narcissists in this town for a good reason, and that's, you need to have a strong ego, you need to want to have some degree of fame, you know, whatever that means to you, but, you know, fame can be reality star, YouTube star, whatever, now, it's a different ball game from when I was first starting out, but, yeah, you know, true. I just think you needed that ego and, and sort of drive to want to get famous so I never fault the people for that although you can you know you can see clearly a lot of people that sort of that's all they care about yeah nowadays it's just ridiculous because people are just famous because they're on Instagram you know actually (laughs) when I was coming when I came to LA it was in 1997 you know there was a whole thing of all these girls going to it was so bizarre to me but everybody would go to the red carpet so all these girls that never acted in their lives Huh. or got any job would have like oh I have to go to the red carpet and you know because that was their sort of way of it's sort of the early Kim Kardashians of the world and Paris Hilton's of the world yeah but they'd go to the red carpet and photographers would take their picture and they'd feel special 
But then they wake up and have no job <laughs> and have no and have no craft. And then so what are you left with? Yeah, exactly. Those pictures that aren't going to pay you for when you have to pay rent yeah, that month. Yeah, pictures on wire, wire Yeah, exactly. I, you know, you're right about the ego because if you think about it, all the rejection that we're going to face, you know, whether you're behind the camera, in front of the camera, so many things that you hope will go through that might not, you know, so many ups and downs, you do have to have that inner strength and discipline. So I'm glad you thought about that. Yeah, I mean, listen, 90, 99% is failure and the 1% you, you, you hope to get. And at the end of the day, like I was going to say earlier, like, I sort of look at this business like any business. Like, nobody in the corporate world just becomes the CEO. You start from a low-level position or you, you know, you take nine years of schooling and get a master's degree and at Wharton and then you get higher jobs. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it takes 20 years before you become super successful. So for me and a lot of people that I know and who are sort of, you know, quote-unquote, overnight successes, but we all work really hard mm-hmm. and we all struggle and we, you know, we have our ups and downs and we, you know, doubt ourselves and it's like just a myriad of emotions, but it's all par for the course. Yeah. And then when I mean, you have those moments where you sell a pitch or your movie gets into Sundance or you get a green light or an actor comes on your project or you book a job, you know, you're just like, you know, those highs are, are so worth it because you know the pain and the struggle that you went through to get there. So. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad you talked about the pitching and the green lighting and things like that because that's what my next question was going to be. Transition that you took from writing for theater you know, for shorts to film, how how different was that? Was it kind of the same process? I just kind of want the listeners to know how you approach uh, you know, a project uh, like that. I think everybody should write a play. Every writer should write a play because, you know, for the most part, you have two people or three people or four people or however, sitting in a room talking. So I think from a dialogue perspective, you get a sense of character more. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're jumping around, I didn't know, like, I didn't, for when I first started, I didn't know I could go out and shoot a film. You know, there wasn't that technology. I had to go raise money and shoot Super 16 or or 16 millimeter, and like shooting 35 was not happening. But now it's a different ball game. But you know, when you're in class and you have to do showcases for class or do stuff, I always wanted to find different material to perform and material that I thought was going to fit in my wheelhouse. So who better to you know to understand me is than me than mm-hmm. to write a character. So uh, so I thought that was really important in terms of dialogue and character building because you don't have much to do when you're sitting in a room talking. So, yeah. you know, you have to make it interesting. Otherwise, that, that's not, that play ain't going to happen. So, uh, but I, I quickly transitioned into film when I sort of can max out credit cards, try to shoot stuff. Yeah. The reason why I left New York is that I putting together some independent, uh, an independent film and then sort of segued into financing and producing some films. And it was just like one investor that was full of shit after the other. Yeah. So I literally came out to L.A. because it's where the real people, the real business is, which when you come from New York and you live in New York, everybody hates L.A., uh-huh. but nobody understands L.A. or nobody, or, or again, back in the day, everybody sort of, you know, all these New York people come out with egos and attitudes, not in a bad way, but just like it's New York's a tough town. Mm-hmm. And L.A. doesn't sort of vibe that way, so it took a little bit of getting used to. But, um, but yeah, so going back to that, yeah, I think everybody should write a play just once 
Well, yeah, I mean, the good the good writing scripts, the actual character development that you see, for me at least, that's when I know that I really like something, you know, special effects, things like that is only going to go too far. You know, obviously the masses might enjoy Transformers 4, but for me, I kind of need to see a story arc. I need to see someone go through something and come out with one way or the other, whether it's good or bad. And I think, you know, some of your well, films... Well, you hope. I mean, that's, that's the hope. And, you know, there's, there are some things that, you know, like you take a, a classic movie like and a classic character, like one of the greatest characters ever written for screen is Indiana Jones. Yeah. And he has an arc. He has no arc in that movie. So you can take a lot of examples of great characters and great movies that don't necessarily arc, but yet still, you know, from a plot point of view or from just a great character, it's like, it's so it's, you know, there's never one sort of solution or answer, but you just... You know, at the end of the day, when you sit and write by yourself in a room or write with a partner, you just you have to just write what makes you what makes you happy, what you want to see on screen. You know, and that's how we sort of that's how when I write with a partner, when I write in general, it's like, what do I want to see? If I'm going to sit down and watch a movie, what movie do I want to watch? Yeah, and so that that's where it all starts. Well, it's interesting you talk about um, Indiana Jones because Indiana Jones, for me, like the character is so strong that I guess in that case, you're right. You don't exactly need an arc as much because I, th- I kind of put him with the Mad Max and with the John McClane and Die Hard. They're such a strong character already. It's just their character in different situations. And the fun part yeah, is just... To some degree, the, char- the actors brought those characters to life yeah. in the actual page. Totally, you know? yeah. But, I mean, you can read Indiana Jones' amazing script and there's a great transcript of... Spielberg, Kaz, Lars Kasdan, and George Lucas. It's like for three weeks or so they talked and they pitfalled to Kasdan about what this movie is and what this character is. And it's just, it's brilliant, man. You're just like, these guys are just, and it's what we do every day. You know, we sit and brainstorm character and we spitball and we talk about cool stuff. And, you know, it's, it's nice to read that and see that the process is the same, you know. It's the same Even though, you know, Mike Lucas is a genius and Spielberg's a genius and Kasdan's a genius, but, you know, you hope that you can sort of get that same thing. But you, the process is the same, you know? Do you ever think that the line, you know, it's Han Solo in as a as an explorer, you know? Do you think that was one of them? Because, you know, he did Holland before that, so I have to wonder if it was, hey, we're going to put Han Solo. Uh, I, I, you know, in that dialogue, they don't really mention Han Solo because they wanted more of like a 1920s adventure show that they used to do uh, back okay. in the day. Yeah. So it was sort of that, like, comic book character. Uh, they were always talking about Harrison Ford because I think when this, when this happened, I can actually find it, they were, uh, they were, uh, I think they just shot Star Wars or something, so I'm not quite sure when it was, but uh, I don't think they specifically mentioned Han Solo, but they definitely were thinking Harrison Ford. Yeah, and Maybe I, they did. I don't know. Maybe they did. They could have. Yeah, well, either way, we got a really good trilogy and really good movies. Uh, you know, weirdly enough, my favorite is actually the third one with Sean Connery. Uh, maybe that's, you know, I know Raiders of the Lost Ark, like you said, is one of those best character movies of all time, but uh, I don't know. I just love the third one. Sean dropping in as Indiana's dad, it was just, it was awesome. Yeah, it was pretty fun. It was just so fun. It was such a great Saturday matinee movie from the past, you know? Exactly. And this was, uh, this was, the date of this transcript for the conference was in 1978. So this was like right when Star Wars just came out in 77, so summer 77. Right when it just came out. That's all. Okay, well, you know, you also talked about getting greenlit in a pitch meeting. I know you've been through a lot of them. I wanted to go ahead and ask if you can kind of explain what that's like, the pitch meeting, because a lot of people listening, they don't exactly work in the business. How does that process go through? It happens all sort of ways. Right? Like, we got, we got kind of, it was a really cool experience. Like, I'll give you the experience of what happened on 
Tarotona, which is now called Goliath, okay. to the Warner Brothers. So we had just, the signal had just come out. And so basically, we were in Sundance. And so it was me and the director and, and the director's brother, Will and Carlisle, who are dear friends and, and great partners. Yes. We were all back from Sundance. And so basically, you start going on rounds, on meetings. So every executive wants to meet you because they heard about your film in Sundance, blah, blah, blah. So you start going on meetings. So on one particular meeting, uh, this is the Tau Teller story. So like, because I had two, I, I sold two pitches basically okay. in, a, in like a short period of time, which is pretty pretty awesome. But for the, for the purposes of Tau I went and pitched the producer at Lorenzo Bonaventura's company, okay. who's a big producer from like Transformers. And uh, the producer's name is Mark Ferrarian, and Mark is a great dude, great producer, and he's also he's the president of Lorenzo's company. So okay. big producer, he's on Transformers as well. And so I pitched him this idea, uh, this town idea that Will and I and Carlisle were talking about. It was just a really loose pitch. Um, and so he's like, that sounds awesome, great, blah, blah, blah. And so I don't really hear from anybody for like four or five months. You know, just there were some other projects we are talking about, but he never sort of responded. Hmm. And then Will is going on a general meeting as well, like three months later with him. We're getting into the summer, and he pitches him. And so he's like, oh, my God, I love this, I love this. Yeah, and he's like, Frederio told me about it. I love this, I love this. How do I get it? And so Will was like, whatever, it was just a general meeting. So literally, like, that was on, like, a Friday, I think, and then the following Tuesday, Will had a general meeting with, um, and so, wait, let me, let me backtrack for one second. So, we're preparing this pitch to go out, right? Okay. And so, we're, the agents are wanting to hear it, and it was like this, and we both hate pitching, like, Will and I, probably Carlisle as well. It's just like, when you go in with a scripted material, like, you have to go be, like, a performer, and... And sometimes that's fun, but for the most part, it just feels too forced. It doesn't feel natural. Yeah. You don't feel like you're having a personal connection. You're just like, it's like an audience. You kind of feel like a circus monkey. Yeah. And so it's always awkward to pitch. Just, you know, it's just weird. Yeah. And so there are people that are just phenomenal at it, which I'll get into. But And I think I'm all right at it, but at the end of the day, it's just weird. I'd rather just sit down, for, you know, talking about a story that I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about Long story short, so Will goes into Warner Brothers and pitches for a general meeting and pitches and pitches the movie. Now Will is the same way; like he's a great pitcher when it's just one on one with him, mm-hmm. and he's just natural and calm and just like bullshitting, like just tears it up, destroys the pitch. This is the best. But when you put him in a situation where it's like there's like you know again like you're put on the spot, we both are like yeah. Anyway, so. He pictures the two executives in the room. I think this is sort of the story. And then the senior executive at John Berger, Warner Brothers, they're like, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. So next thing you know, he pitches Berg. Berg, he leaves the meeting. Berg calls up Will's agent and says, we're making an offer on this. Mm. And so we're like, oh, shit, okay. This is like on a Wednesday. So sure enough now, you know, he was with CAA. He's with CAA right now. So the CAA basically calls up Guardian has got a deal at Paramount and says, hey, are you guys still interested in this? Because Warner Brothers is calling us to put a make an offer to close this deal. And so Guardian was like, whoa, 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 no, 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 I'm calling, I'm going to call, I'm going to call uh, 
Paramount is a fan and I want to get an offer. So sure enough, this was on a Friday at this point. Um, on a Friday, Warner Brothers Business Affair calls in, and it was like a three-day holiday weekend. And it says we, and they say we're we're gonna we want to acquire this thing. And the agent says, look, I got bad news for you. Paramount's gonna get into the mix. So all of a sudden, like everybody started scrambling, and there was a little bit of a bidding situation. So it was really cool. At the end of the day, Warner Brothers. Like the, the, the business, the business affairs attorney was freaking out, and but we ended up going with uh, with Warner Brothers. And the, the great thing about it is that while Lorenzo Bonaventura and Mark Florian are not exclusive at Paramount, I guess after they had a pass, so we ended up getting them on as producers anyway. So nice. it worked out really, really well. Nice. And I, you know, uh, Goliath, you know, what a great name, Taltona, and then now Goliath. I've done some research on that. So you have a character. <laughs> or- Okay, well, key word you yeah, said is so, fun, and that's what it sounds like, because when I did my research, it sounded like the, the mind itself is already a character, and since it's actually a real thing from there, people can really let it go and really kind of give in to the fantasy that is the movie, so I think it'll be really fun. You know, I always like those kind yeah, of movies. Yeah, well, again, it's like, it, it, it's, I can't really, I'm not, I can't really say much about it, but yeah, yeah, uh, no, no, keeping, I, the, we're keeping it all pretty, pretty tight, but it's just, um, it, it turns, it like the signal where all of a sudden you're like in a different world and a different environment things are just not what they seem that's what they what they that's what happens okay absolutely we'll have the listeners go ahead and they'll be ready for that to check that out whenever it comes out in theaters that's the Goliath David Fergerio is here on the show on the What the Falk show presented by me Connor Falk we are available on SoundCloud iTunes Facebook Twitter really any different social media place you can find us we're sponsored by Ferris Pizza the best pizza for the best price in Bakersfield uh, David I gotta go ahead and send you some of that pizza I think you're gonna enjoy it I've had a lot of pizza in my life you know good or bad and I can nice, tell you <laughs> I can tell you this. Yeah, they have pizza. That's where I'm from. That's my hometown. I got some of the best pizza in Bakersfield. So for all the listeners, we have some oh. in different countries, some on the East Coast, some on the West Coast. You know, I like to let them know right. about the good places. Um, David, you talked about, you know, we talked about the signal, and I'll get into that. But the wreckage, 2010, that you also wrote. Uh, that was an opportunity. Uh, they say in the military, when you have a, a target of opportunity. So yeah. The wreckage was actually shot in 2006. Okay. Um, and I just went on some crazy trip with a very good friend of mine, Paul Johansson, to Norway with a group of actors for a charity thing. It was like an amazing trip. On the trip, I met Aaron Paul, and Aaron was uh, was best friends with Shane West at the time. Oh, okay. And, you know, he was still, you know, he wasn't there as a celebrity, he was there as a guest of, of, uh, of Shane, and just a good guy, and we started bullshitting. And, and so, uh, literally, I got back, I didn't have any money, and uh, a friend of mine who was in the mortgage business at the time making like, you know, right before the, the bubble hit was making just a lot of money. Yeah. And 
and she, and she was like, I want to make a movie. And I was like, all right, well, and she's like, I want you to write a script. So I literally, I wrote it in 12 days, because I was 12 broke and, awesome. and, uh, and needed money. And so I wrote the script to get cash, because I had to pay some rent. And so I wrote yeah. the script, but then all of a sudden, we got all the actors on, and we were financed, and we were in North Carolina shooting over the summer uh, of 2006. And it was just, you know, I, most of the actors down that film will look at it very fondly, because we had a good time. We put everybody in a beach house, and it was pretty phenomenal. Nice. But, uh, you know, again, in retrospect, I would never write a script in 12 days and go shoot it. Um, but it was fun. It was a great experience. I learned how to produce and, uh, you know, got some good relationships out of it. And it's just... Uh, well, some huge actors now, they'll look at it fondly and, you know, good people for you to work with, good experience that you had working with such talent. You have Aaron Paul, went on to stars, you know, in Breaking Bad, one of the biggest shows of all time. You have Scoot McNary. Friends and I are always talking about it. We just call him Scoot because he's like, he's in everything now, it seems like. Scoot's in everything. Yeah, and he's, you know, and both Aaron and Scoot are, yeah. cannot be any nicer and just great people and great guys and, uh, and Cameron Richardson, yep. Kelly Kruger and Justin Allen and like, it was just it was just a great group of people, all brought together by Aaron, um, who was sort of friends with everybody, and uh, it was a really cool cool time. We all needed a job, we all needed to work back then, so it was just a good experience to go do it. Well, that sounds like a fun but time. Yeah, I, 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 you know, in retrospect, I would not make write a movie in twelve days, and I would not shoot it because your name goes on that, and it's not the celluloid forever. So, but I feel it's fun though. That movie is it's not meant to be a horror film. It can't be of horror comedy yeah this is how we made it and um you know we had a hurricane when we were shooting we only had 14 days to shoot the hurricane stopped us and so it was a pretty tough shoot we only had about 60 minutes of footage uh when we got to cut which is why we delayed it for four years because we didn't have the money because then the uh the market crashed and nobody had money so we couldn't finish it and finally we we finished it but um Definitely got some problems, but we all we all love doing it, and it was fun. Okay, well, let's go to another project. The one that actually connected you and I, The Signal, like I said before, is one of those movies that I found. I needed something to watch on a random day, and I had no idea what I was getting into. And then after it was done, I was just like, man, this was awesome. Like, I haven't seen a movie like this in a long time. And and that's how we connected just from Twitter and social media, which is great just to look at where we're at 2016-wise, technology-wise, of people who would normally never have met. I mostly work in television. You're in film. I, we, our paths had never crossed. It's just a great opportunity. This movie, 2014, The Signal. I don't want to give too much spoilers away because I want people to watch it. I've, you know, it's great because on other shows I've had, I've told people underrated movie. You need to check out sci-fi movie. If you like sci-fi, check out The Signal. We got Brandon Thwaites, who's, you know, Australian actor. He's in everything as well now, from Son of a Gun to the upcoming Gods of Egypt. You have Lawrence Fishburne, who everyone knows. He'll always be Morpheus to me or Ike Turner. You have Olivia Cook from the uh, the Psycho Show on A&E. She's also an Earl, me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Who else do we have? You have uh, Olivia. Ready Player One with Spielberg next. Yes. She's, uh, she's doing okay. Yeah, you have Lynn. Lynn is starring opposite Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean right now, so he's doing okay too. They're doing pretty good. You have Lynn Shea, who to me is always going to be the the um, the landlord in uh, Kingpin, and also from uh, Something uh, About Mary, so she's always in those films. And then you have Bo Knapp. Hope I'm saying his name correctly. I just recently saw him in Run All Night, so he's a really good actor as well. Oh, uh, dude, he's just kind of, he's just in Southpaw, and he's coming out with, he's just, that kid is awesome and will be a big star pretty soon as well. He's awesome. Yeah, well, everyone in and this a, movie... And a terrific guy. 
from your writing to uh, Will's directing to everyone in this movie, it was just a really great experience, man. I just want to say thanks as a viewer. Actually, <laughs> back home on Thanksgiving, it was awesome because it was on HBO and my parents and I was like, I know, you guys. Yeah, it's been all over. It's all over. It's been all over. Yeah, and I had my parents. Seven dozen times, so I can't watch it anymore. Well, I had my parents there. I was, and they enjoyed it. So all different audiences of all different ages are enjoying the story you told. And I guess I just want to ask, like, you know, how did this signal come to be? How did you kind of get that idea? combination of Will and I. Will is the guy I've known for a long, like 12 years now, and been a friend of mine. He helped me shoot like my first short back in the day. He used to work at television. You know, he's just a very visual, very gifted filmmaker, you know, and it's obviously apparent in the person that we love, and it's apparent in Signal, but him and I have always been friends, and I, he basically... I've always been writing, and he had a film, Love, that sort of toured the festival circuit, and his agents were getting on him about his next material. Um, so long story short, he basically said, you know, I kept saying, dude, let's write something, let's write something. And then he said, I have this idea about, uh, you know, these three kids sort of going across country, like, you know, chasing this thing, the signal. And so my response to that was at the end, and the, you know, the, I won't spoil it, but the end was sort of my pitch to him. Mm. And that literally is like cemented it. And, you know, we had another sort of like crazy experience with that. Like he loosely pitched it to producers. All of a sudden there was like producers calling me, producers calling him. And, you know, everybody like, you know, sort of promising the world. But uh, his agents introduced him to Brian Kavanaugh Jones. So going back, so him and I sort of quickly, once we had sort of the beginning and the end, uh, we started putting an outline together and put a 17-page outline together, and then we sort of condensed it down to like four pages, and then we got a lot of response from producers, especially guys who are fans of Will's work on Love that, you know, know he can tell a story and paint a beautiful visual canvas. Yeah. So we started, uh, next thing you know, we sat down with this producer, Brian Kavanaugh Jones, and he said, I'm going to make this movie for you in, a, in less than a year. And so, and he did. It actually took like a year and three months, but, you know, we got to go make the movie. We made it for, you know, initially it was three million bucks or four million bucks. And uh, we got, you know, it was just a great experience. It was like a great experience. Everybody on that movie, all the producers, it was Brian, Kavanaugh, Jones, and Tyler Davidson, are great guys. We got to write our scripts. Nobody touched it. Every word of dialogue in there is ours. And, uh, you know, it's just a story that we wanted to tell on a budget that we knew we had, which is why it sort of starts off as a road trip and it stays contained. And then we got to spend some money in the factory. But, yeah, I mean, it was a really it was a really great experience. You talked about Will William Eubank, correct, the director? Uh-huh the director of the film, and you said visual, and I gotta tell you, with your writing and the kind of twists and turns that it has and the world that it takes you to, his visual... Well, you know, let me, let me start out. Like, Will and Carlisle, Carlisle's his brother, one of the smartest people I know, and it's just a brilliant writer, so, I mean, all three of us sort of sat in a room and just, you know, scene by scene, talked about it and wrote it and rewrote it and talked about Will himself is a really terrific writer, 
although he hates writing. Mm. He's got a lot of movies that he's set up already that he's written, but uh, so obviously all three of them together. You know, let's okay. Let me go ahead and say right now, anybody listening, maybe you want to pause it for a second. There's just a little bit of spoilers, a little bit of spoilers on the film. These beings, we'll say, have kind of manipulated and changed these kids in a way, and the kids don't know exactly what they did. But at the at the point where they find out that they might have, at this point have some superhuman powers or abilities by what they did the visual and what you see is so awesome it's so satisfying from seeing you know the one guy who (laughs) becomes super strong to the other guy who can just run as fast as possible and the way you know it lights up and everything and the way that scene was done it wasn't it was just enough that it was shown visually and i thought it was it was just the right amount of mystery throughout the whole movie for a really nice ending Oh, very cool. Yeah, we, uh, it was designed to be a sort of a slow burn, misdirect movie that sort of, you know, I think early on we talked about, Will and I were talking about that movie, Catfish, where, yeah. like, you sort of have these characters that you sort of started to really like, I don't know if you saw Catfish or anything, but you started to really like these characters, and then he went on this trip to go meet this girl that he was supposedly going to be in love with, and... You know, there's like this moment where he was walking up to the bar and you're just like, oh my God, what's going to, what is that? You know, you saw like other Hitch, like a Hitchcock movie. Yeah. And nothing happened and they were like, oh, such a letdown. So we sort of used that as a template of like, we want to like get people engaged with the characters and then we want to take them on a ride. Yeah. But again, like what most people, you know, two things. One is like you start, what most people don't realize, like this script, we knew we had a certain budget threshold to make it. So we knew what we could do, what we couldn't do in terms of scripts. So that was a nice, you know, that was a nice sort of thing to know as uh, from a filmmaker point of view because, you know, you don't want to be disappointed when, you know, oftentimes when you're making low-budget films, like, you have to cut scenes out because you don't have time to shoot or you yeah. run out of money. And so we went in really prepared, Will especially, Barry Albuquerque, for six months before we started shooting. So he knew everything that he wanted to shoot right away, you know, when, at the day of. So it really it was really a, a great lesson for all of us to watch how prepared you must be to make a film. But um, I was just going to say, like, going on Twitter and seeing people, and it's, it's really fun watching, you know, some of the people... You know, people either love this film or they absolutely hate this film. Mm. There's not many people that are just like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> either one or the other. It's crazy. I sort of relate that to IQ level, but, you know, that's No, I can certainly understand your point of view on that. And I like how you said great lesson because I would hope, and from so far having you on the show right now, I think it'd be a great lesson to the mind of David Frigeria, a writer, producer, actor as well. We talked about, you know, Wreckage in 2006, comes out in 2010 with Aaron Paul, Scoot McNary, The Signal, the great film that connected me with you, Lawrence Fisher, Brennan Thwaites, Olivia Cook. You wrote that. We have Goliath coming on, your next big budget project, a 10 pole movie that we're all going to enjoy. David, all I can say is. God's ears, man. Yes, sir. Well, I'll be talking about it on the show. As, as long as it's cool with you, I will be supporting the movies you do for every guest I have on the show. I'll make sure they know, hey, if you haven't seen The Signal, please check this out. Please listen to that episode we have. I would hope that you know the people you work with as well want to take some time and hear you talk about the collaboration you have with them. I really appreciate you taking the time, sir, to be on the show. You know, I guess just one question I have, which I hope is a yes. Is this the best podcast experience you've had in 2016? Hundred percent of those podcast cast experience I've, I've ever had. Oh. <laughs> I was hoping. Uh, thank you so much, man. It's always fun to talk and jam about this stuff, you know. Absolutely, um, man. We as writers, uh, most of the time, are just in our underwear talking to ourselves. So it's nice to sort of pontificate on what the work we do, and the uh, especially in film writing, we don't, you know, just, you know writers are sort of a uh, 
uh, you know, the last the last men on the totem pole from the creative side. When yeah, in essence, we're the ones who start the creative side. So yeah, it's always nice and uh, fun to talk about. Absolutely, sir. And they can find you. I'll go ahead. I'll have your Twitter handle where people can find you in your upcoming projects. I will go ahead and, and um, I'll have a link to all the films you've done on their IMDb link and trailers. Thanks for checking it out. Hopefully you like all the ones coming soon. Hopefully they come really soon. And for all the writers out there and performers and actors out there, just keep doing it, man. Absolutely, Gotta man. keep doing it. Just keep on trucking. You know, why the fuck they're not? They're kids. They're good luck, man. They're kids. They're good, they're good luck. Yeah. Don't there's no why the fuck not should you try to you know pursue your dreams, you know? Why the fuck not? There you go. Why the fuck not? Okay, right. David, I just want to say thank you for being on the show, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's David for Jerry, a writer, producer, director, done a lot of different things in a lot of amazing ways. Have him on the What the Falk show. And, uh, you know, we talked about people he's worked with. Aaron Paul, Breaking Bad, Scoop McNary, AMC's Hall and Catch Fire. He's been in Marvel movies, worked with Jude Law. He's worked with many different people. You have Olivia Cook, Bretton Thwaites, um, Lawrence Fishburne, all in The Signal. I can't tell you enough about that movie. It's great. Check out the sci-fi. It's on HBO right now. It's just a fun ride. So if you like sci-fi movies, if you like twists and turns, you're going to like The Signal. You've listened to The What the Falk Show. I'm Connor Falk, available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Pod Directory, at my WTF show on Twitter. Hit me up. We we'll have new guests situation. I'm going to have someone who teaches classes about breweries. I'm going to have a DJ. The sky's the limit for where we can go with the show. And I'm so thankful that you take the time to listen. Talk to you soon.